This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. Whatever the type of pain that you're carrying around, that holding on to that pain is preventing you from living the fullest life. Former cop, author, speaker, Adam Davis on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. And we're here to welcome you to yet another edition of this show to put your faith to work and to bring your bold ideas to life. And Armin and I are so delighted to have with us on this program today, for the very first time on the Bold Idea Podcast, <laughs> Adam Davis is a former police officer, and he's got experience as a patrol officer, a traffic homicide investigator, a criminal investigator, and a hostage negotiator. He's the author of several books, Spirit and Truth, The 52 Encouraging Messages for America's Law Enforcement, Behind the Badge, 365-Day Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement, Be Awakened, A New You in 40 Days, and an upcoming book called Bulletproof Marriage that he's writing with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Adam is a writer, a speaker. He's been featured in Entrepreneur, Fox News, The Huffington Post, The Blaze Radio Network, and many other publications, and now including the Bold Idea Podcast. We want to welcome to the program Adam Davis. Welcome, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you guys today. Oh, yeah. So good to have you, too. So, Adam, you know, you're a former police officer. You've had quite a storied life. Let's let's dive into kind of a little bit about your history. Kind of start with, you know, how you grew up and where you are today. I know you went through quite a bit of transformation that got you into where you're at. And let's tell, tell the audience about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I grew up. Uh, like a lot of people in America, people that will keep uh, a lot of pain hidden inside of them for a long time. Uh, I grew up, my parents divorced when I was around five or six years old, and it was about that same time that I was uh, sexually sodomized by a neighbor who was an older male and uh, not a family member. And I never told anybody about that. You know, there's a lot of shame and guilt in that. Mm. That was sort of like where I look back and say my story sort of sort of began. And uh, it wasn't until my 20s until I shared that with, with anyone and sought healing and, and kind of uh, forgave uh, the individual and uh, let all of that bitterness and hate and resentment go. And that's when I really began to see a transformation in my life. It didn't happen overnight, but that was, that was sort of a pivotal point in my 20s when that happened. And uh, that was a that was a big deal. So let me ask you: at five or six, you were abused, and how yep. did that affect you from that point on until the time when you started to deal with it? I lacked I lacked direction, as uh, you know, like most most teenagers <laughs> lack direction. You know that everybody wants a teenager to make their uh, their life path when they're eighteen years old, what they're going to do for the rest of their life, and. Uh, it just really it damaged me as far as uh, relationships go. Um, I had a serious distrust with other people, and and did for a long time. Even even uh, after I I sought healing uh, and and really turned that over to God and let Him deal with it. But uh, it affected me by uh, having just I was carrying around pain. I was carrying around a wound that had never been addressed and just festered and. Um, 
you know, I, I sought affection uh, by being sexually active as a teenager before being married and just really damaged uh, a lot of relationships and didn't see the value in another human being uh, for, for who they were. It was just for having a good time. And, you know, uh, but the more I share that story, uh, the more people come out and say, you know, I, I was sexually abused 40 years ago and I've never told anybody. And for you to come out and say this and share your story, it just gives us courage to find healing. And, and I think that's amazing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Dr. Joe was just actually on our show um, and he's from the southern region of the United States. He kind of said Chattanooga. that. Uh, yeah, Chattanooga. Yeah. And he said the same thing. He said that. Uh, the and we were talking about the whole Me Too movement going on. He said that's that's actually happening to men quite a bit. Um, I think he said one out of every six men has been sexually abused. Yeah, and I was I was sharing this long before that movement came along, and it took a lot of guts to get out and share this because it it felt like I was like the only person talking about this, and uh, and it made my family kind of feel awkward. But you know. Um, I, I wouldn't do anything to embarrass my family. It's not a slight against my parents or my family, anything along those lines. Uh, I think more or less I want to bring awareness to it. But more than that, more than that, I want us to understand and, and others who have been in those situations to understand that if it's sexual abuse or, or emotional abuse, whatever the type of pain that you're carrying around, that holding on to that pain is preventing you from living the fullest life. And Jesus said that he came to give us life and life to the fullest, John 10, 10. And we know that he's come to give us the best life. Now, that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But when we carry around the pain, uh, we're robbing ourselves of living a full life, a life of abundance that can walk in him and know who he is. Right. Um, but he can heal all of that. And man, he has, he has radically changed my life. No doubt. Yeah, I totally agree with the reality of pain not being the absence of Jesus, but I'm, I'm going to kind of jump here. Um, I, later on in life, you became a cop. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm kind of curious, how did your pain and your shame and all the things that you dealt with from being a victim, how, how did that leak into the way you were a law enforcement officer and the way that you treated people that you may have seen as predators? For one, it helped me to uh, I think I had a different perspective. A lot of times, if you have somebody that's never experienced pain or, or, or as you said, being a victim, I don't look at myself as being a victim. Um, but I think that I think it gave me a different perspective now as a as a somebody that at one point was responsible for uh, managing sex offenders who had been released back into our community. I was more aggressive uh, at holding them accountable. Uh, I mean, I went by the letter of the law, and if they violated that law, then I held them to, you know, held them accountable for that. But I think more than anything, it gave me a perspective uh, to for those who were victims and to understand and have compassion, show empathy, and understand, hey, they're experiencing real pain. They're not just a, a stat. They're not just a piece of, uh, you know, a name on a piece of paper. There's somebody whose lives have been shattered, and they've been shattered forever. And, uh, and until they find the hope found in Jesus Christ. And uh, I hunted the predators with aggression. Uh, I, you know, I never, I never hurt anybody or anything like that. But uh, if they violated the law, uh, they went to jail. <laughs> and, and, but it, I think it allowed me to connect with victims uh, 
with more compassion. And I think that's very important as a law enforcement officer. Yeah, you have have a lot of empathy when you've gone through it yourself. I, I'm yep. kind of curious. Armin did a fast forward. I want to do kind of a fast rewind for a second because you said something pivotal happened when you were 20, and I want to I want to understand how did that healing come to you at that point? How, you you you're in this world where you're you're trying to get love in all the wrong places. You were saying and and uh, yeah. and really confused as a teenager and and lacking some direction. But what happened? to yeah. you at that time to give you the sense of healing that, that started to begin for you? Well, uh, you know, it, I graduated high school in the summer of 2000. Um, I was dating a, a beautiful, beautiful young lady. And and uh, about four or five months after we graduated high school, we got married. And um, she became uh, really my rock. And um, the first year... Uh, when trouble came in marriage, uh, I sort of would pack my bags and leave about every three months, and mm-hmm. and she stuck around, and she kept she kept you know kind of uh, just being the constant, the only constant in my life other than my faith in Christ. And uh, as I matured, uh, my first child was uh, brought into my life. My son was born in two thousand four, and it was right before his birth that I realized that I, I I could not be a good father until I gave up the pain. And uh, and that's when I really began to make a, a, a massive change in my life. And, and it took me digging and, and understanding that it wasn't my place nor my, my right to carry the pain any longer. And uh, so that's that's really the shift for me was, was around the time I became a father before my son was born. And I didn't want to carry that anymore. I didn't want to have that on my life anymore. And I wanted him to know total, total peace and, uh, you know, uh, uh, innocence throughout his entire childhood. And I knew that the only way I could do that was to forgive and, and to let that go and then go be a good father. And that was the shift for me. Okay. And so what did you do? I mean, you're at this point where you have this desire now to not pass this on to your son in terms of <laughs> yeah. the pain that you have. But it was, how, it, was how did you... it was a decision. It was just a decision. There was no magical steps for me. Um, it was just something that I was by myself. I didn't, you know, I wasn't with a pastor or mm-hmm. a preacher. I wasn't at the altar anywhere. It was, uh, mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I believe I was standing outside of my home and I looked up to heaven and I said, God, I, I can't carry this anymore if you'll take it from me. Uh, I don't want it, and I want you to have it because I know you will take my burdens, and I know you'll take this pain, and if you'll heal me, I'll surrender this to you, and I'll, I'll no longer hold this hatred in my heart if you'll help me. And it was, um, it had been on me long enough, and it was time. And and uh, from that moment on, it was just a kind of a daily progression to, uh, you know, it took years to get to the point to where I could share the story outside of telling my family or talking to God about it. Uh, but that was, that was the, the first step. Yeah. That, and that's great. And you know what I like about that, Adam, is that you didn't need a mountaintop experience to have a deep enriching experience and conversation oh, with God about it. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't, you weren't caught up in the emotion that's generated by someone else. It was just a very intimate time with you and the Lord. But tell me, you mentioned earlier that when you hold on to the pain, it keeps you from living the best life you lived. So how has that process of letting go 
released you to doing some things that you hadn't thought you would be able to do or maybe never even dreamed of, uh, but yeah. you know you would not have been able to do those things had you still held the pain. Yeah, you know, trauma has a, has a way of, of, uh, of kind of either shoving you down into a, an emotional grave or, or it can cause you to perform at the highest level, almost superhuman at times. Uh, because you're trying to overcompensate for bearing the burdens that a human is not meant to bear. And uh, that's that's often the case. So what happened for me was, fast forward, uh, got into law enforcement around 2009, and uh, my career took off. I mean, I went from night shift to day shift. I worked high crime areas, uh, became a criminal ve- a traffic homicide investigator, eventually became a criminal investigator, hostage negotiator, did all these things. And... Uh, and one, you know, during that time, seeing all the pain around me, even after having my own one-on-one experience, um, I had layers of pain and layers of hurt in my life. And so, what one of the constants, one of the, I guess, one of the central themes. There's a couple of central themes, if you will, in my life. But one of those is uh, my breakthroughs or my transformations weren't a mountaintop experience. I found uh, my my transformations were one-on-one time seeking God and seeking his direction, seeking his healing uh, through his word and prayer and worship. And uh, I think that's really, really important for us to know that uh, that it doesn't have to be a mountaintop experience. So what it did was it led me to be a law enforcement officer. That was where God called me for a season. And uh, and here we are now. So the I uh, left in 2015 and and uh, yeah, I think I think that just speaks volumes to to what happens when we when we spend time with him and seek him and seek seek his healing and his direction as opposed to trying to do it ourselves or seek it from a mountaintop experience. I'm curious because um, earlier we we're talking about the impact that your pain had on the way that you dealt with people who were victimized. But you said mm-hmm. you became a negotiator And typically, from my understanding of what it takes to be a good negotiator is you have to figure out a way to empathize with the person that you're negotiating with. So how how did all that work out together? (laughs) Well, I I can tell you a a semi-humorous quick story was uh, when I was in the FBI hostage negotiator uh, school. uh, We had a a live scenario where... um, uh, Private first class had taken a sergeant hostage and had a, a gun to him and was threatening to kill him for whatever reason. And and so I went in and I you know I'm negotiating with the guy who's got the gun and got the hostage and and so I called you know I talked to him for two or three minutes and uh, then I called for a sniper shot to take him out and and they said no 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 you're supposed to talk to him longer than that your job is to talk him out. <laughs> I said, this guy's Be an done idiot. with He's this guy. Like, Let's say we're done. I'm done with him. Move <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, I, I think that it um it it causes it caused me to to strive to to think like they thought. And when you understand how the enemy operates, because it's not a human being, it's the enemy. We battle we, we battle against principalities and powers. We, mm-hmm. we we're not dealing flesh on flesh. Um although he does use people. Uh, and I understood that it, it took me to understand the enemy's strategy and what he's doing to destroy the lives of innocent people. 
and uh, so then you get in the mind of of human beings and 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 predators and uh, people that are just broken, man. They're just hurt. They need hope, and they need they don't need a, a cotton candy message. They need to know that the love of God is is real and can radically change you. So, but in those moments, it was about understanding their motive and understanding who they were and what they were trying to do and and why they were doing it, and then tying a hook back to what really do they value in life that we can use to pull them away from that situation. And, uh, you know, I think it served as a great benefit. I think, I think that my past was an asset in the moments of conflict uh, only because I surrendered it to God. Love it. So you sound like a person who's never wasted your pain. You sound like a person who's actually used your pain, leveraged your pain to make impact, to empathize, to build, to negotiate, to do all these things. So you've actually used your pain to help people, if I were to summarize it. So (laughs) I I imagine now that you're in the world of ministry, you're probably getting a lot more broken people coming to you than the days of law enforcement. Oh, man. How, how How do you even figure out a way to inspire people that are as broken as they probably are coming to you? You know, I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I don't seek to inspire really. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't really, it's not my desire to inspire people. My desire is, is to feel their pain. And, and, uh, when we know the heart of the father, uh, we understand how his heart breaks mm. for humanity. Mm. Uh, there's so many injustices in our world. How can we pick one and value it over another? And it all goes back to the heart of the Father. And so when we get close to the heart of the Father, we feel a deep soul pain, a longing for healing. And so it's really just listening to what the other person's saying and listening to the hurt and understanding the value of a human being, of a human life, that every single life is worth more than we could imagine. There's not a dollar amount you could put on it. So what I try to do is I just listen to their pain and uh, remember, remember the moments of my darkest hours, the moments when I felt totally worthless, the moments I felt like I had no purpose, and the moments when I felt like everybody around me had abandoned me. And I remember that feeling, and I use those things and those emotions to know that there's other people out there. I'm not the only one that's ever been through it. So I take the answer that I found to those things and I speak it because when you speak his word, it speaks life and it brings healing. And uh, so, you know, 2015, when I left, I, you know, I left because I'd written a book, but I also had a business I'd been doing on the side quietly to take care of my family. Uh, we homeschool our three kids. And, and uh, of course I was working law enforcement, but uh, my business had exploded. It had just taken off wildly. And I don't advertise my business. I don't talk about my business hardly ever. And, you know, and at that time, I had not told anybody about it. And uh, word had just kind of spread organically. And uh, since then, the business funds the ministry opportunity, so I don't have to beg for money. And, uh, you know, God has really, he's, he's honored, he's honored that step writing that very first book, which was self-published and, uh, it's done well, but now here I'm working on my, finishing up my fourth book and I've got a contract for five and six and a proposal out for number seven. I mean, it's just crazy what happens. It's crazy. That's great. I, I have a question for you though, because it's like, 
your great representation of what I've often thought and heard about that many times we minister out of out of our own pain, right? So something That's some right. some something traumatic or painful has happened in our life. And I think part of the way God brings healing is to is to turn that into ministry to give to others and in some ways it completes the healing process for ourselves. So when you were as a, a police officer, did you find that your peers, your contemporaries, were they also dealing with their own kind of wounds and perhaps demons in their life? Did you find that they maybe entered into that because of that? There were some, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll say to this day that I think that I, I probably stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, just because of really my personality. I, I did I did my job and I did it well. Uh, I've got records to prove I did it well. <laughs> and, uh, and you can ask many law enforcement officers who will tell you I did a great job. But at the same time, we're not. You know, we trust each other in, in law enforcement, but we're not going to expose our brokenness to each other. Okay, so you were uh, an anomaly because you were transparent about the pain that you right. experienced. Yeah, and so that that makes everybody else kind of look at you, not just even in law enforcement, but other men in general. They look at you and say, "What, what is wrong with you? You know, right. you're, you're not supposed to talk about stuff like you're not supposed to tell people that you contemplated suicide. You're not supposed to tell pe- people that." that you were sexually assaulted. You're not supposed to tell. And I'm like, that's the problem with the world. Yeah. If we would talk about it more, more people would be healed and more people would be set free. And so I'm willing to risk it all because I've had men and women call me and say, I was planning on taking my life on this day and you spoke whatever I said and it set them free. Mm. And that's worth it for me. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm never letting up. No, I applaud you for that. I, I, just just be authentic in who you are and what God has has brought you through as a testimony to his own grace. Absolutely. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, this is probably a good time to take a pause from this episode and thank our listeners who've supported the Bold Idea Podcast. You are the reason we exist. This is a nonprofit. That means we don't make profit off of doing this. This costs money. So if you're the people out there that are supporting us and donating to us, you're the reason that we've been able to do this for over a year. And we'd love to be able to do this for another year or two and bring on more amazing guests. So we would love your support. If you feel so led, just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And thank you again. Do you find that by being that transparent and authentic that that gives people the freedom to come out and disclose things to you that they wouldn't normally have done? And especially in because you're ministering to police officers and those in law enforcement, do you find that that uh, it, maybe it put it this way: as you're writing books and materials and devotionals for them, are you writing to the wounded cop, or are you writing to the cop that needs to understand? the wounded that they're dealing with uh, as, as they know people. I'm writing for the heart of the cop. I'm where I'm like right now I'm working on a marriage devotion. And, and so I remember how I nearly destroyed my marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the things that led up to that. And, and I think back to the pain that was 99% created by my own stupidity and disobedience and to God. And, and so I write to the heart of, of the everyday cop and, 
you know, uh, there's people that have never been in law enforcement, have no ties to law enforcement that read it and, and they're blessed by it. But, uh, I write for, I write to the heart of broken men and women, people that are secretly suffering, silently suffering. And, um, I think that's one of the biggest problems in America today is, is we make it taboo to talk about our pain and we under, you know, we don't, we don't use it to empower us to do great things that God's called us to do and, uh, set us free and, and then turn around and help others get free. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I write to, to the, uh, to the heart. My, my ultimate goal is to, to see lives healed, to see people find total healing from their pain to be set free from addictions, to see their marriages restored, whether they're cops or not, and uh, to see people who are totally hopeless at the end of their rope understand that they have a unique purpose and a unique gift, and God's put them here for a reason, and uh, that they can do phenomenal things, That uh, and suicide is not the option, and the answer is not found in an addiction, and, and you're never too far from his love. Yeah, well, if that, if that young Adam Davis who was suffering as a teen trying to get his bearings or to or to get advice from the now present adam davis yeah what would he hear he would probably say uh you know just don't do anything stupid um honor relationships um take your time uh life life is is a vapor but Live today for today, plan forever, um, and honor honor God. And I would probably say to younger Adam before anything was you need to define honor. You need to define respect because when you know those things and they're in your heart, you're not going to want to uh, step outside the boundaries that are firmly established for relationships, whether it's sexual or, or not. And you're, you're going to want to treat people the way – uh, if you see them through the eyes of God as his children, as his creation, uh, you're not going to want to, you know, mistreat people in, in any way. And then I think uh, second would be, you know, uh, it, it's okay to to tell people you're hurting. It's okay to to not be okay. It's okay to, to be vulnerable and uh, think outside the box. And I think thinking outside the box means looking at life through from a different perspective, don't get tunnel vision, meaning you see one thing and that's all you have on your mind and you got a one track mind. And, um, but at the same time, younger Adam is like, uh, 90% of uh, teen males today. And, um, they have to learn the hard way. <laughs> so, uh, I wish I would have listened to me a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> How do you define honor? Um, honor is the platinum, platinum edition of, of respect. It is the highest, highest form of esteem. It is, uh, some people say that honor and respect are synonymous, uh, but honor comes from the heart. Honor is found when we live and behave and treat others from a place of a pure heart, a holy heart, uh, a heart that's after God, while respect uh, is always tied to behaviors and actions. And so, you know, uh, while the the dictionary may say that honor and respect are synonymous, uh, I believe that honor comes from the heart. It has nothing to do with the behavior. It's a heart issue. And respect is a behavioral issue. 
and um, you know you're you're going to see you know there's there's a major lack of honor in in homes today. There's a major lack of honor in our society. Period. And if we could restore honor in the hearts of men and women, uh, I think we could see a major shift in our culture. Well, you deal a lot with guys, and uh, I imagine you you consult with female officers as well, perhaps. But what would you say would be some of the barriers that they have to defining and restoring the honor that you're talking about? Um, you know, I think that uh, number one is a it's a refute. It's a it's a denial issue. We don't want to uh, acknowledge. You know, you could walk around with a gaping wound on your body as long as you want and say I'm okay. There's no problem. But at some point, you're going to bleed out. And you're going to need medical attention. The same way it goes with soul wounds or emotion wounds. It goes with anything. And and I think we have to move past denial and we have to address and we have to have the courage. You know, we have courage in dealing with everything else. Whether you're a business owner or a cop. Whether you're a pastor, a minister, missionary, or you know a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, uh, it takes courage to address uh, the unthinkable. It takes courage to address your vulnerable parts of your of your life, and and when we have the courage to address those things, then we can find that God has given us a pathway to restoring honor. Because when we get close to His heart. He reveals that he has a heart of honor and he'll restore that in our life. And so I think, you know, I think that's uh, that's the biggest thing is denial and uh, really not wanting to understand that there are wounds and we need to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. So you've written a book uh, recently called Behind the Badge, 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement. Uh, so yeah. talk about that book for a minute. Yeah, you know, uh, law enforcement officers have you know, a ton of gear. Uh, their cars are often loaded down with gear. Their closets at home are full of gear. And, you know, they wear a, about 35, 36 pounds of gear every day they're on the streets. And they've got bulletproof vests, Kevlar, and belts with all the tools on them. But I really wanted, and there's several devotions out, and, and they're great. They're great books. They're great for law enforcement. But I really wanted something that was a little different. Um, I wanted something that was uh, speaking directly to the heart of the cop, directly with the word of God in a way that was applicable to their life that they would understand and in a way that would pierce their heart. But it didn't take long to read, but it would also provoke them to take a journey down the pathway to a deeper faith and a closer walk with Christ. And so every day is really, uh, really unique. There's 12, obviously 12 months. And so that's 12 different sections uh, and 365 unique prayers, 365 unique scriptures, uh, and different topics. And uh, I've got such good feedback, and it's it's doing well from mm-hmm. California to uh, to the East Coast. And I'm very thankful for what uh, for for the testimonies and reviews I'm getting now. But uh, it's going to be something that lasts long after I'm gone, and and I believe God will change lives with it. Yeah, that's so gratifying. And I know you've taken time out of your writing schedule. You're on a deadline here in just a few days to finish up yeah. your new book, uh, Bulletproof <laughs> yeah. Marriage. Is that right? Yeah, it's a 90-day marriage devotion. And, and what's really unique about it is, uh, you know, I've, I've taken uh, the, you know, I've been married this year 18 years. Uh, all the times, you know, a lot of people, I tell them my story and they're like, wow, your wife is still with you. That's great. <laughs> and that's hard to believe. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think that's just a testament to her character and the amount of love that she has for me and for Christ. And 
and what she, you know the type of person she is and man i'm just i'm blessed i am i am humbled to know an unconditional love like my wife has shown me and uh, but what it is is I've taken and broke it up into six six different sections, and I don't want to go into too too much detail. You're the first to know about this, but it's got a, a short devotion every day, and then it'll have a kind of a quick tip to kind of bring it all in in a summary form, and then there's specific action for what we refer to as the sheepdog, which is anybody that's willing to stand between the wolf and the flock and do battle to protect the flock. And so I refer to sheepdog as first responders or military, uh, really anybody that's willing to stand there and, and say, you're not going to hurt the innocent. You're not going to do this anymore. Like the gentleman who who um, who uh, took the gun from the shooter, uh, from the murderer at the Tennessee shooting at the Waffle House. Mm-hmm. He wasn't law enforcement. He wasn't right. military. He was a sheepdog. He stood yeah. in the middle and said, this isn't going to continue. Yeah. So what it does, I've got specific action for the sheepdog and then specific action for the spouse. And then it ended up with a prayer. And then there's an applicable scripture there. And uh, it's really, it's been one of the most challenging things I've written only because it causes me to look back into my heart and look at me as a husband and uh it's improved me as a husband <laughs> and uh it's you know it's caused me to really become more intentional in the things i'm doing uh not that we've ever you know not that we have a bad marriage but you know we've probably got a better marriage now than we've ever got but um man it is it is going to absolutely rock this world when it launches in january because uh there's nothing like this 90-day devotion available and and That's i'm great. and i don't say that because i'm writing it i'm saying it because the spirit of god is all over this thing oh, that's um, great. and it's going to be really good it's, it's filled with stories like the first part of the devotion will be a story where i've changed names and likeness and all this stuff and i'm sharing stories from military marriages from law enforcement firefighters and from other marriages where i've taken and i've applied these these uh concepts these principles Mm -hmm. to bring them to life and people are going to read it and say that sounds just like me (laughs) that's great and uh yeah and so it'll show you a way out that's good you know and there's nothing like writing a book that really kind of dives in and causes you to have to stir up your own stuff and take a look in the mirror as well (laughs) so how can our how can our listeners learn more about you adam yeah you know i i encourage you to go to my website uh, com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, the official Adam Davis, uh, and those are my two primary All right. uh, loitering spots. So I'd love to meet with you. I will, and we'll have links to those in our show notes as well. But <laughs> sounds good. Let's uh, let me ask you this final question: What's your next bold idea? My next bold idea is um, to affect the culture of families uh, by addressing the violence that comes through the home and media, and applying mm-hmm. spiritual concepts to purifying the family. Yeah, we join you and applaud you in that. <laughs> well, Adam, so glad to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Well, I mean, that was Adam Davis. Yes, the Adam a- Davis. The ad, the yeah. dot com. Dot com that's right. that, was, that, was, that was just a plug for you, Adam. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so what did you take away? I saw you taking copious notes. Well, there. I did. I, 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 uh, I really appreciate Adam's transparency and how he lived that way and uh, you know, he's really direct up with his pain. We've had some guests on the show that have 
had that before. And I think it's always refreshing when you get people who are just like, you know what, here, here, here I am, you know, warts and all, this is where I've gone through. This is the stuff that's happened. You know, I almost destroyed my marriage and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and, uh, isn't God great? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I just love that. Yeah. So I actually listening to Adam's story came up with, I think three kind of takeaways, at least as it relates to what I heard kind of high level threads of what he said. And he didn't say these things quite directly, but I I think these are your takeaways. These are just my takeaways. right? So, so, so here, first of one is that, and I'd call it this, I'd call it unredeemed pain. You know, we talked about pain that we don't pain. Okay. Well, no, the unredeemed pain blocks, a bold idea. That's number one. Okay. Unredeemed okay. pain blocks bold idea. Yeah. Got and it. I call it an under unredeemed pain because it's like he described, you know, when you don't deal with a pain in your life and he said, you're not going to live your best life. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what I'm the takeaway is. I, if, right. And anecdotally, I think that's true for him. He shared enough that I got, yep, I got that. I yep. mean, when you're blocked in your pain, but I think, you know, I don't know that we could prove this statistically, but I think that we could pretty much validate kind of scripturally that when we're focused in on our own pain and we don't let God heal that, that yeah. there's, we're a smaller package. Robert Riskin said, a man who is wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that. And I think when you're in pain and it's not resolved, you're very much wrapped up in yourself and you're very small package indeed. And so right. you want a bold idea. If there's pain in your life, deal with it. Love it. So, okay. Second, point number two. Point number two is unredeemed pain blocks intimacy. Unredeemed pain blocks intimacy. All right, break yeah. that down. Well, you you heard it when he talked about his you know almost blowing up his marriage and you know as he was dealing with that stuff and all of the things that came from that and and certainly you saw him describe himself as a teenager being very promiscuous because he didn't know how to have relationships. He said that right. And so really, when you are just living out of your pain, you're just medicating yourself relationally and you're not having a healthy intimate relationship. And it's not only with those whom are around you, your family or your friends, but it's also with God. And you notice how he talked about how his whole worship of God changed as he got healing mm, with, yeah. with, through his pain. And also, as a cop, he had more intimacy in, in terms of empathy than with those whom he was serving who had been right. the victims of crime themselves. So... I kind of saw that as a principle that comes out when we don't deal with our pain. Mm-hmm. It also blocks our intimacy. The final thing is I heard him say, not quite these words, but unredeemed pain blocks ministry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, clearly he saw that going into law enforcement gave him an opportunity to deal with the injustices. And some of those were visited upon him and that would fueled what he did and now he's taken that and said, okay, well, I've been in the law enforcement. I understand that context. And I know these people need some encouragement. They need some training. They need some equipping. They need to right. deal with some of these issues themselves. And so he's writing in his ministry now and serving in that way. Yeah. I just thought that was a beautiful thing that how God takes the pain in somebody's life and puts it a ministry in its place. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think if there's any one of those points that really strikes a chord for me, it's that third one because I, I mean, not just me, but I think we've all experienced uh, being in American Christianity, pastors falling and falling hard. Oh yeah, and it's always been pretty much unnecessary and incredibly avoidable, and uh, that that lack of transparency always seems to be a culprit for why really unnecessary things take place that 
literally ripped him away from what they have built and what they were called to, you know? So like what he's doing with his ability to be transparent. I mean, that, that that's a, it's a breakthrough ministry right there. If he can teach people how to do that or at least model it for people. Right. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's the best insurance policy. Totally. And that kind of level of vulnerability has its own safeguards as well from getting into trouble when he's that vulnerable, he's less likely to be tempted perhaps right. because he's been at those areas. Not that he, he doesn't have temptations like the rest of us, right, but, right. but I'm guessing that uh, he's he's stronger yeah. because he's weaker in a way. Yeah, you know? and more accountable. And more accountable. Yeah, I mean, uh, on, on this note, but uh, Brene Brown, the top uh, and foremost thought leader on the topic of shame and vulnerability, she says shame requires three things. And those ingredients, three ingredients are secrecy, silence, and judgment. And if you have secrecy, silent, silence, and judgment, then what you're doing is really not dealing with the issue. Um, you're actually hiding it because you're ashamed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the difference between it owning you and you owning it. Oh, yeah. And it, what what better bold idea than maybe grabbing hold of that area of pain in your life and deciding, as Adam did, mm-hmm. today's the day. Yep. And you don't need a retreat. You don't need a mountaintop experience. Yeah. You just need what he did, which was a decision. That's right. So today may be that day if you're holding that kind of pain in your own life and it's keeping you from a bold idea, it's keeping you from intimacy, it's keeping you from ministry. Now is the time to act. Well, we'd love to have you comment on this show. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are and go to boldideapodcast.com slash 67. Leave us a comment there or visit our show line at 612-568-IDEA. Leave us a call at 612-568-4332. So this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we just love that you joined us today. Thank you again for that. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.